It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. special edition of the Situation Room, where we take the weird to the weirder, and we explore all possibilities. Ain't that right, Mr. Roberts? Oh, damn skippy, <laughs> Roger Stucci. Okay, all right, I did not rehearse this as, as, as well as I really wanted to rehearse it. <laughs> wait, 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 we rehearsed this? No, that's the problem. All right, let me try it again, let me try it again, here we go. All right, go. try again, go. go. On a quiet residential street in a small town sits an old white farmhouse on a dark evening. The absence of lights and sounds are in the indiction to visitors that this house is different from the other homes that surround it. And they call it the Velisca Axe Murder House. A little bit better, Scotty? Oh, I like that. Dude, I kind of Can I try? Do Can it. I try a little Do bit? It. Here you go. Let's see. I gotta see where you left off. Uh, the walls still protect the identity of the murderer of murderers who bludgeoned to death the entire family of Joseph Moore and two overnight guests on June 10th, 1912. Almost 97 years later, her secret continues to draw many visitors to her door. And I would say that's not just 97 years. I would say that's 97 plus 7. That makes it 107. <laughs> Something like that. I can't do math. And so the walls still protect the identity of the murderer. And to some, it seems to be speaking <sighs> this house. It does. Visits by paranormal investigators have provided audio, video, and photographic proof of paranormal activity. Tours have been cut short 
by children's voices, falling lamps, moving ladders, and flying objects. Psychics have confirmed the presence of spirits dwelling in the home, and many have actually communicated with them, and skeptics have left believers, ladies and gentlemen, the Velisca Axe Murder House. And the big question of the night, is the Velisca Axe Murder House haunted? You tell us. Ladies and gentlemen. Believe may be the key that unlocks the door to the Velisca Axe Murder Mystery. And did they ever, ever find out who did this evil Evil. Deed? Not evil. It's not just evil. It's evil. Evil. It is evil. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first episode of our five-day Halloween special. Every single day is going to be either a murder mystery, a creepy cryptid story, Something weird and wild, and we're going to take you into the realms of the weird, wild, realms of the, the, the woo, the realms of the woo, the woo, the woo, and we are going to have fun. So we uh, are happy you're here. We're glad you're here. We hope everybody's having a beautiful Monday afternoon, and we're going to get into this. Now, folks, how we're going to do this is that we are going to share the history of the Velixa, Velisca Axe Murder House. Uh, we're going to talk about a horrifying crime that happened in this home. And some of the events that have followed uh, the footsteps of this home. Now, to uh, let everybody know as well, Scotty, I don't know if you have investigated here, uh, but I... Did you? I have never been to the Villisca Murder House, You've but never I think you there. have, have you not? I have, and it was one of the most disturbing... Uh, not really? one of the most disturbing, but it was... Dist- I think, Scotty... I think what troubled me the most is because of what happened to the children there. I think uh, I think yes. there was that, uh, how do I want to say it? Because uh, it, it's not empathy. But um, uh, you're, you're talking about uh, feelings you got from the children's it, spirits. It, it's there? just, you know, without even the paranormal aspect, it was just the fact that yeah. such a horrifying crime happened to so many innocent people. And just this little tiny farmhouse, brother. In the middle of nowhere. So, folks, we're going to share the story. And then we also have some EVPs that we are going to be playing for you now. So, you know, for those of you that don't know what an EVP is, it's an electronic voice phenomenon. Basically, you have a recorder and you record a real voice of something that is not here in the physical realm. And we will be sharing those voices with you during the second segment. So, Scotty, really quick, Kick-Ass Beef yeah. Jerky. Go to kickassbeefjerky.com. This segment is brought to you by my brothers that make the best beef jerky on the damn planet. Go to kickassbeefjerky.com, use code word meatball, and get 15% off your meatball order. Again, that is kickassbeefjerky.com. Code word meatball for 15% off your order every single time that you order. Now, Scotty, before we get into... The history, the town, the crime, the the victims, the inquest, mm-hmm. the suspects, the folklore. Before we get into all of this, now you've been involved in the paranormal for many, many, many years. Yes. And have you ever found it troubling or difficult or challenging to go into certain locations to where you know very bad things happen to very innocent people? Have you? Was there like a... 
I don't even know. I, I'm not coming up with the right words, but but were you challenged? Was your integrity challenged? Was was your personal beliefs yeah. challenged? You know what? How do you feel about places like this and investigating them? I I know exactly what you mean. Sometimes it doesn't have to have anything to do with the paranormal, like you were saying before. You could walk into a place where you know some sort of vicious, heinous crime took place. And you can sometimes get a feel off that place. You can get a vibe off that place. It's whatever is residual that is there. Science, skeptics, anybody you want can tell you, well, that doesn't really exist. It's only psychological. It's in your mind. And maybe that is some of it. And I I will say we are both skeptical people, but we are both believing skeptics Mm -hmm. or skeptical believers, meaning I know this stuff takes place, but. I question it until I have a chance to research it. And so, yes, I have been to places that uh, not necessarily as heinous as what uh, took place at the Vasilla house. This, I always want to say Vasilla, uh, uh, the Velisca house. And, uh, but you can, I'm going to give you one example of a place I was where I had that feeling. And it's a historical place. Uh, when I was in Scotland, I went to Glencoe. And you see the mountains. It's famous shot, uh, Rocky, that you've seen of this mountain range. It's in a lot of movies that take place in Scotland. It's this big mountain, and it comes down into this valley and another mountain up on the other side. It's always in the background. And that's Glencoe is in there. And there was a settlement there in the 1600s where uh, people were slaughtered by supporters of the British. Oh. And, uh, um, and you walk into that place today. I walked in there. And maybe it's the being in the mountain range there. It's being in this valley. The feeling was palpable. You could feel what took place there. The same in upstate New York at uh, Fort Ticonderoga, where 1,200 Black Watch, the 42nd Royal Highland Regiment, was decimated by the French. You can stand in the woods there and feel that visceral feeling of what happened there. Same, I think, with the, the Villisca House. I haven't been there, so only you can speak to this, the two of us. What was your feeling when you walked in there? Well, you know, it was like an overwhelm, overwhelming feeling of, of sadness because he felt so horrible for the family, you know, uh, family yeah. who was just living their life. And we'll get into the story here in just a minute, folks, but just a regular family living their life. They go to church, kids come home, they have friends sleep over, and they never wake up to see the day of light. Um, I felt it was really dark in the house. It was really sinister. I question whether or not the spirits that roam those hallways are actually the spirits of what people believe them to be. I believe that there could be some things that are more sinister there preying off of people, um, if their weaknesses. And a lot of people go there very compassionate with their guards down, thinking they're going to be playing with little children in spirit, and that's not the case. Yeah. There's a lot of horror stories. Um, they had a whole shed outside on the property that was full of Ouija boards that people brought with them when they investigated oh, wow. that home. And they so, left them there. And they left them. And that was kind of his thing. He said he had a collection going, but the collection got so big that it filled up a whole shed. Oh, man. And so you're not just talking about a, tra- a tragedy that happened in this home and, and maybe residual energy or maybe the spiritual energy of these, these children and the parents, but you're also talking about things that have been conjured through a spirit board or a talking right. board, or a Ouija board, whatever, however you want to define it, that when we do that, a lot of these people that use these boards, Scotty, you've used them, I've used them, we've all used them, a lot of us have used them, uh, but there is a process to that. And if they use it without understanding what they're doing and they don't close it, they don't do whatever they have to do to manifest that uh, session right. being complete, 
bad, really bad things happen. And I'll give you an example. Two weeks, Scotty, before we investigated this location, there was a guy there with another group, and they were going in. You know how sometimes when you investigate, you go in with one, you know, one person at a time? Yes. Just to, because you feel like you can get more if you're alone in some of these right, places. Right. Your fear. Yes. You're thinking Absolutely. Like- and so yeah. this guy goes in. He goes into one of the children's bedrooms that were down. There's one bedroom downstairs, and then there's two bedrooms upstairs. He goes into the bedroom that's downstairs right out the living room, and just out of nowhere, he just started stabbing himself in the chest with a knife multiple times. And that wow. was two weeks before we investigated there. Now, he survived. He survived. But, you know, I know people, listen, I know a lot of my friends are very skeptical about this. Um, a lot of people, whether it be your religion, whether it be how you were raised, uh, whatever it may be, there's a lot of people that question the reality of further existence after the physical body. Um, but I warn you to, even if you don't believe in it, don't ever lose the respect for it. Because when you discount that being a possibility and you choose to want to play with it as a form of entertainment... Things in that realm have a very good way of letting you know that they are not a form of entertainment, and they will let you know how real they are. So just be very, very, very careful. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes something just wants to get your attention, Hmm. um, and it will try to get your attention, try to get your attention, try to get your attention over and over and over again. Might be little things that you don't notice It might uh, right away, or that you notice a corner of your eye, something moves, something... Other times, they're trying to get your attention not as much as they are trying to make their presence known. There's a two, There's a big difference there. Mm-hmm. They're not going like, hey, look at me over here. Talk to me. They're like, I'm here, MFR, and yep. I'm going to take over. Right. And that's the way you find some spirits, especially in places where you're talking about the, the Velisca house, mm-hmm. where something heinously evil took place. Is that just... I'm going to ask your opinion on something. Mm-hmm. For the kind of crime that was committed at the Velisca house, is that something that somebody just does because they snap? Is it something they do because they are psychotic? Is it something they do because they are deranged? Is it something... Are all those things... Mm. Are we far off the mark that they than they were hundreds and thousands of years ago when they said... If bad things happen, evil spirits are involved. Sickness, uh, disease, famine, murder, mm. pillage, all of that. Mm. Is that all driven, do you think, by something evil? And can that evil then reside in that house? I do believe that that is driven by evil. And, and here, here's how, why I theorize that is because you've known people and I've known people that have lived in extremely haunted, haunted houses. Yes. And and just the experience of these people living in these homes um, mm-hmm. has changed their their character, has changed their health. I mean, we've known, Scotty, a lot of people that have had chronic health issues, and yeah. then they move out of this home, and then the chronic health issues go away. Exactly. Um, so... Could negative energy impact us just by it being there physically, spiritually, mentally, psychologically? I think so. Do sure. I believe that there are forces out there that are always trying to overcome, uh, like, darker forces? Dude, I really do. I, honest to God, I really do. Um, I've said this a million times. 
I've always believed that there's a hierarchy in the spiritual realm. I always believe that even in the sinister areas, that even in the darkest place, like right here at the Velisca Axe Murder House, I believe that there is a dark entity there that is in charge of that entire home. Whether that family is there or not, something is in charge. And I feel the same way about the Fernhill House. I believe something is in charge there. I really do. I, I think you're right there. And almost everywhere we go, don't you and I and other people that I have investigated with we generally will find out through EVPs or through mm-hmm. communications of some kind that there is something there that is either blocking the other spirits, that is uh, uh, the guy that will always speak up, well, I want to talk to the other one, and you still get that voice. Um, you always find that, and I, I think that you and I have found that in other locations. Sometimes I think they can be positive. I'm getting chills. I don't know why I'm getting chills up the back. Mm-hmm. Right You're conjuring something. Uh, when we have been out to the Renaissance Festival grounds, and we have gotten... By the way, I had somebody who was one of the guys who actually drove out that evil spirit that was conjured up, and they trapped him at the pavilion. Mm-hmm. That guy came in and gave the story, and I know him. You know him, too, on my on my site. Yeah, I don't even want you to say his name. <laughs> What's that? I you know who I'm talking his, about? Yeah, I do. I don't even like him. I don't okay. even want to hear his name. And uh, um, so he was one of the guys, but the story is very true. But when you get entities like the Guardian on the Knoll, that's the Guardian of the site, is that a negative or a positive character? It all depends on how you're sure. looking at it. Well, it depends on what you're doing. Too. You know, exactly. Because look at look at stuff that pagans conjure up. Is it necessarily yep. bad or is it? I don't know. I don't know. That That's deep. I want to let's just stick with this here sure. because we can get super deep on this, brother, because we, we, and got, we can go on all kinds yeah. of rabbit trails. So let's um, let's hit the history really quick and let's get the right. history in and uh, maybe talk a little bit about the actual crime before we go out to break. And then when we come back in a break or we'll recap, uh, we'll talk about the, the suspects. And then um, we also have some EVPs to share with you. And then, Scotty, this is where we can continue this discussion on uh, what we think it could be. uh, Because some of these EVPs I have here are pretty um, uncomforting, is what I'm going to say. Are these your EVPs? I got these from uh, multiple groups. And I will cover some things here next segment, too. Uh, in regards to EVPs that I got. And um, and there'll be another show for that in the future. So let's do this. Let's cover the history just so you guys can visualize us. Now, I need you all to visualize, if you're not familiar with the Velisca Axe Murder House, I need you to just kind of visualize a big open field in flatlands of Iowa and a little tiny, very beautiful little farmhouse just sitting in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Now, it says here, in the early 1900s, Velisca, Iowa, a Midwestern town of 2,500 people was flourishing. Business Businesses lined the streets and several dozen trains pulled into the depot on a daily basis. According to D.N. Smith, a Chicago, Burlington, Quincy Railroad employee of Velisca meant pretty place or pleasant views. In 1912, the town built the only publicly funded armory in the state of Iowa. The company housed their participated the company housed there participated in their 1916 Mexican expedition, World War I and World War II, as well as the Korean and Vietnam Wars. During World War II, Montgomery County lost more more men per capita than any other county in the United States. Veluska surely contributed to several of her own to that number. Now, 
Velisca's a very old town. That's kind of where it's getting here. Now let's get to the house. Scotty, uh, let's go to the crime and I start at the top. All right. Go ahead and start it. Let's take a look at the crime here. And it was long before serial killers. You know how vogue it is right now to talk about serial killers and how many of them we've had because of mass media. And we, we've learned more about them. But before all of that, uh, had become a way of life for some people. For us, knowing about it, two adults and six children were found brutally murdered in their beds in this small western town of Villisca and uh, in Iowa, just uh, a few hours south of here. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the weeks that followed, life in this small town changed exponentially. You can imagine this in 1912. As mm. residents of the small town reinforced their locks, they openly carried weapons, and they huddled together while sleeping. Newspaper reporters and private detectives flooded the streets of Villisca. And accusations, rumors, suspicions ran rampant among all the friends and the families. Bloodhounds were brought in. Law enforcement agencies from neighboring counties and states all joined forces Hundreds of interviews filled thousands of pages, and yet the murders to this day remain unsolved and the murderer unpunished. Nobody even knows who he is. Hmm. And um, I, I'll tell you, there's a whole lot of history here, and we could cover a lot of it, but that's the history of the crime itself. Mm-hmm. Somebody came in and murdered everybody in this house, and there is no motivation stated for anybody that was known or interviewed to have done this. There's no person that anybody thinks was responsible or that they can find. And here you've got this heinous act of this whole family being murdered and nobody knows why or who. They slipped in in the night, killed everybody, and they were gone and never seen again. And it was either somebody in that town or it was somebody else from the outside. And they all started believing that it was somebody from the outside that had done it. So now, um, let me uh, double check time here really quick. Yeah, uh, We got about four minutes. So I'm going to do this paragraph all here right. really quick. And now these are on the dates of June 9th and June 10th of 1912, the day of the murders. It says uh, Lena and Ina Stillinger. Uh, Stillinger. Yep. Sorry, I got my glasses. Uh, the daughters of Joseph and Sarah Stillinger left their home for church early Sunday morning. They planned on having dinner with their grandmother after the morning service, spending the afternoon with her and then returning her home to spend the night after the children's day exercise con- concluded. Uh, the girls, however, were invited by Catherine Moore to spend the night at the Moore home instead. Now, prior to leaving... For the exercises, Mr. Moore placed the call to the Stillinger's home to ask permission for the girls to stay overnight. Blanche, Lena Ina's older sister, told Mr. Moore that her parents were both outdoors, but she would pass the message along to them. Now, the Children's Day program at the Say it, Scotty. The Presbyterian. Thank you. Church was an annual event and begun at approximately 8 p.m. on Sunday evening, June 9th. According to witnesses, Sarah Moore coordinated the exercises. All of the Moore children, as well as the Stillinger girls, participated. Joshua Moore sat in the congregation. The program ended at 9.30 p.m., and the Moore family, along with the Stillinger sisters, walked home from church. They entered their home sometime between 9.45 and 10 o'clock 
p.m. Now, you know what? We got a little bit more time, Scotty, so I'm going to go one more here. I'm just going to say, imagine if you were the parents of the kids who said, we're going to spend the night at our friend's house tonight. And that's the thing. It's uh, everything about this entire situation, about this entire town, all of this was so innocent. You know, uh, people involved with their church, uh, they're going to their services. Uh, Children's night at the church. Children's night at the church. Imagine turn of the last century. You know, you get the idea. You can see the clothes. You can see the the way people were the simpler times in farm community of Iowa. So the following morning at approximately 5 o'clock a.m., Mary Peckham, the Moore's next-door neighbor, stepped into the yard to hang laundry. At approximately 7 o'clock a.m., she realized that not only the Moore's have not been outside for the chores uh, to begin, but that the house itself seemed unusually still. Between 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock a.m., Mary Peckham approached the house and knocked on the door. When she received no response, she attempted to open the door only to find it locked from the inside. After letting out the Moore's chickens, Mary placed a call to Joshua's brother, Ross Moore, setting into place one of the most mismanaged murder Uh, investigations to ever be undertaken. So we're going to stop right there. And before we... uh, Continue. I want to let everybody know that I do have EVPs that we're going to be playing in the next segment from this location. Most of the EVPs you're going to hear are from children. Whether you believe them to be the children or whether them not to be the children is for you and you only because all we can do is theorize what we think is or what we think isn't. Right, Scotty? That's right. So, and this was tough because we have 40 seconds here, but I, one thing that resonates with me, ladies and gentlemen, when I remember going upstairs uh, to the parents' bedroom, when you walk up the stairs, you walk right into a first room, and then uh, one room is connected to another. So the first room is actually the room where the parents slept. They still actually have the axe marks on the wall from the axe oh when they were hitting. The, every time they brought the axe yep. back, it slammed against the wall behind the murderer. But we just have a few seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our Halloween spectacular week. Monday through Friday, we are going to be talking murder mysteries, ghost stories, paranormal things. We're going to take into the world right here at the Situation Room. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our Halloween Spooktacular Week right here on the Situation Room. Welcome back to segment number two of Scotty Roberts and myself are talking about the Velisca Axe Murder House. And, and the reason why we wanted to start out with this show for our, our one show out of five this week, because every day is going to be some kind of spooktacular, some kind of murder mystery, some kind of paranormal story, is because... I have a personal connection with this home, not a personal connection per se, but I've investigated this home. Uh, so it was just, I guess, pretty a lot easier for me to talk about uh, coming into the first segment of our Halloween Spectacular. And Scotty and I were talking about possibly doing something on Saturday night to where we invite yes. as many of you uh, possible that are interested to come into a Zoom call. And, you want to party with us? Yeah, it's a party with us. So we could do a Zoom, a group Zoom. We can live stream the group Zoom. And on Saturday night for Halloween, we can play fun music. We can have some drinks together. 
and we can sit here as the misfit family, the intrepid family, the meatball family, and just kind of all spend the season together. You know, should I, we do this? Should we target it for after we've taken the kids trick or treating? They've had all their candy. We put them in bed. So maybe a, just a scooch later than prime yeah, let's, time. Yeah, we'll talk about all this off the air, and we Work will validate out. the uh, times. And, Scotty, that's an excellent point because there are a lot of our listeners still have little babies that they're taking trick-or-treat, and we want to make mm-hmm. sure that you um, are able to make this party as well. So we will continue this conversation as the week progresses. And let me remind you again, folks, Verve Forever, CBD, facial cream, V-strips, all different types of healing mechanisms. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mechanisms uh, on top of the CBD oil right now. If you click on the link in the description of this show and you use code word VERV50, you get 50% off every single purchase from VERVFOREVER.com. Again, it's VERVFOREVER.com. Use code word VERV50 and get 50% off all your orders. All right, Mr. Roberts. Let's yes, sir. jump into the rabbit hole, and let's talk about the crime. Let's do it. Take it away, brother. All right. Getting back into this crime, uh, it was based on the testimonies of Mary Peckham, who had come to the house and found it empty. She said it looked empty. She let their chickens out. She didn't know what was going on. I mean, this is small town, farming community, USA. And when your neighbors aren't doing their normal routine on a Monday morning, they're like, what's going on over there? Yeah, what's going on? And uh, so she did some uh, chores for them out in their yard. Then she went and knocked on the door because nobody was there. And uh, based on her testimony and those who saw the Moors at the Children's Day exercise the day before, it's believed that sometime between midnight on Sunday night, Monday morning, all between midnight and 5 a.m., that an unknown assailant entered the home of J.B. Moore and brutally murdered all occupants of the house with an axe. Mm. And upon arriving at the house of his brother, Ross Moore attempted to look in a bedroom window and then knocked on the door and shouted. And he attempted to raise someone inside the house. And when that failed, he produced his keys and found one that opened the door. 
And although Mrs. Peckham followed him onto the porch, she didn't enter the parlor because Ross went in no farther than the room off the parlor. Oh. And when he opened the bedroom door, he saw two bodies on the bed and the dark stains on the bedclothes. And he returned immediately to the porch and told Mrs. Peckham to call the sheriff. The two bodies in the main downstairs room were Lena Stillinger, age 12, and her sister, Ina, age 8. And house guests of the Moore children. They were the guests. Mm-hmm. And uh, the remaining members of the Moore family were found in the upstairs bedrooms by City Marshal Hank Horton, who arrived short uh, arrived shortly afterwards. And every person in the house had been brutally murdered. Their skulls crushed as they slept. Josiah Moore, age 43. Sarah Montgomery Moore, age 39. Herman Moore, age 11. Catherine Moore, age 9. Boyd Moore, age seven, and Paul Moore, age five, as well as the Stillinger sisters down on the main floor parlor bed. You know, so speculation was the first two that got it were the neighbor's children in the bedroom downstairs. It's weird because when I was explaining to you talk about the porch, and then when I talked to you, when when I heard you talk about the parlor, Mm-hmm. Those were the two places. The, the parlor's where I was going to sleep. I was. That's where the guy stabbed himself. Ah. That room, right? Right off the parlor there in that bedroom. Which which guy stabbed himself? The investigator that uh, was there two weeks before oh, I was. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, it was the bedroom right off the parlor right downstairs where they got the piano and they got a huge Bible displayed there. Um, and the one thing that always ran through my mind, Roberts, is that, you know, if he went down into the first bedroom, and literally had to ask them, he would think that while one was being struck, the other one might have woken up. And, you know, what about noise? They didn't have TVs back then. They didn't have radios back then. So you know it was really quiet in that house. So I'm kind of curious on how people did not hear this act. Uh, this, This may sound morbid to you. Have you ever thought this way? Um, and, you know, Rocky, I've been a man that's, uh, you know, I'm not involved in the kinds of things you were, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you lived through some things where you were like, hey, it's going to want to, you know, hey. <laughs> and uh, so um, have you ever woken up in the middle of the night? I mean, and you're I'm talking that stupor of half sleep, half awake. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it goes through your head. What if there was a house invasion right now? Would I be able to? defend my family out of a stone cold sleep now uh, what if somebody and, and god forbid this is i don't imagine these things i'm just saying your head goes to weird places you think about this stuff you think how am i going to defend my family i've thought i've i've thought what if somebody was in here and somebody shot my wife or, oh. or, or beat my wife to death in the bed next to me and that's what woke me up and then i look up and i'm next yeah uh, or, you know, I know as morbid as that is and as as ridiculous a thing to think as that is, you think you think those things when you're going through your mind in that stupor looking at the ceiling at two in the morning going, how would I defend my family? You know, it's usually produced because we watched a movie or I read a book or I heard a story or heard something on the news. And you're thinking about that. I don't think that's and, morbid, brother. And what would happen? Maybe that's what happened. These are two girls. Uh, that are downstairs, and uh, if he axe murders one of them, and it possibly woke up the second one, how long would it take him to have murdered her as well? I mean, probably kids. 
I mean, literally less than a second for the second swing. Less than a second. And, for and the you second know what? Swing. Valid point, brother. Because think about it, man. When you wake up, sometimes just a normal wake up, you know, you're mm-hmm. kind of la la land, right? So you're trying yep. to wake up and then seeing something that grotesque, your brain hasn't even processed hasn't what you looked at before you're even getting hit the second time. Yep. Um, and then that's when the guy went up to the next room, and that is the parents' room upstairs. And to my understanding, I don't know how they got this. This was just told to me. I can't validate it. But the father got hit first, and then it was the mother. And there again, you still had the other girls in the room next door upstairs. So this murder, and this is the weird part, Scotty, is it's speculated and we'll, I think there's some stuff here, and I may be wrong on the order, but he stayed in the attic upstairs between the two bedrooms. There's a little attic, oh. and I did not go in that attic. So this is what they speculated when the families went to the church or the function that they were at that evening is when this guy snuck in. Now, I understand that there was some bad politics going on with the, with the father of this home. Sure. Um, I know a priest was investigated. I know there's a couple other people investigated for this crime. Uh, nothing. Uh, I mean, we're talking how many years ago, so it's kind of hard. We didn't have yeah, the, the tools talking, we have yeah. now. But so, so this guy snuck ago. into the house. He waited in their attic until everybody was asleep. And then he snuck out. And the attic door is only, it's a three-foot door. And, dude, I would not even go in the attic, Scotty, to set up the camera. That's how, now, how? much my gut yeah, told me not to creepy. go. How do they know that he he was in the attic? How do they know he just didn't enter the house? Um, they speculated because everything was one hundred percent secured from the inside. But see, there again, wait, I don't know because he had and to have gotten out of the house. Didn't they say that the young the young girls were murdered? Did they say they were murdered first on the main floor? So uh, let's just go down this list because now I'm getting right. confused on this. But it says here, um, once the murders were discovered, the news traveled quickly in the small town as the neighbors and curious onlookers converged on the house law enforcement officials quickly lost control of the crime scene it said that up to a hundred people traipsed through and what the hell is that traipsed through the traipsed house through yeah gawking at the bodies before the Velisca national guard Holy finally shit. arrived around noon to corn off the area and secure the home they only it shows you how early it in in our time scale of modern forensics this took place people were allowed to walk through the house and gawk at the bodies over a hundred people so much for that crime scene wow so much for could you imagine could you even scotty even could you even go into a house just to look at that to see it just to look at somebody i mean was it curious neighbors is that the way things worked in a small rural iowa town i don't know um, I wouldn't want to go in to look at the bodies to see what my body, my, my, my neighbors were axe murdered in there. Let me go look. Come mm, on, kids. Right. That wouldn't be my first thing to do. And seeing stuff like that is something that you can never unsee. We'll go through some of the things. Yeah. They oh, found. All right. So it says eight people have been bludgeoned to death, presumably with an axe left at the crime scene. It appeared all had been asleep at the time of the murders. Doctors estimated time of death as somewhere shortly after midnight. Uh, curtains were drawn. Oh, here's another thing. Uh, curtains were drawn on all of the windows in the house except two, which did not have curtains. Those windows were covered with clothing belonging to the Moors. 
I gotta tell you mm. something else here, and it may be on here later down. Here's another thing. The murderer. Now, this told me from the gentleman now who does, he lives right next door. Um, the murderer covered all the mirrors in the house. The wow. murderer covered all the mirrors in the house. Rest on that for a second. I need you to think about that, Scotty. All Let right. me finish this list, and I want to ask you, why do you think he did that? All right. All right. All of the victims' faces were covered with bedclothes after they were killed. So he obviously he put the children's clothes covered the faces. covered their faces. Okay. Kerosene lamp was found at the foot of the bed of Joshua and Sarah. The chimney was off, and the wick had been turned back. The chimney was found under the dresser. Interesting. Okay. Uh, a similar lamp was found at the foot of the bed of the Stillinger's girls. The chimney was also off. When they say chimney, are they talking about the lantern, the top of the lantern? Yeah, probably the, the chimney on the lantern itself. So the axe was found in the room occupied by the Stillinger girls, which was downstairs. It was bloody, but an attempt had been made to wipe it off. The axe belonged to Joshua Moore. Hmm. So he got killed by his own axe. Uh, The ceilings in the parents' bedroom and the children's room showed gouge marks apparently made by the upswing of the axe. I saw those. Uh, a piece of the keychain was found on the floor in the downstairs bedroom. A pan of bloody water was discovered in the kitchen table as well as a plate of uneaten food. The doors were all locked. Now, the bodies of Lena and Ina Stillinger were found in the downstairs bedroom off the parlor. Ina was sleeping closest to the wall with Lena on her right side. A gray coat covered her face. Lena... According to the inquest testimony of Dr. F.S. Williams, lay as though she had kicked one foot out of her bed sideways, with one hand under the pillow of her right side, half sideways, not... Scotty, read that. I, I, I can't no, no, see Sure, it. sure. Half sideways, not clear over, but just a little. And apparently she'd been struck in the head and squirmed down uh, in the bed, uh-uh. perhaps one third of the way. And Lena's nightgown was slid up, and she was wearing no undergarments. There was no blood stain on the inside of her right knee, and what the doctors assumed was a defensive wound on her arm. She put up her arm. And so Dr. Lindquist, the coroner, reported a slab of bacon on the floor in the downstairs downstairs bedroom, lying near the axe, weighing nearly two pounds of bacon. It was wrapped in what he thought might be a dish towel. A second slab of bacon, about the same size, was found in the icebox. And Lindquist also made note of one of Sarah's shoes, which he found on Josiah's side of the bed. The shoe was found on its side. However, it had blood inside as well as under it. It was Lindquist's attempt or assumption that the shoe had been upright when Josiah was first struck and that the blood ran off the bed and into the shoe. And he believed the killer later returned to the bed to inflict additional blows and subsequently knocked the shoe over. And uh, had these murders been committed today, it's almost certain that law enforcement Mm -hmm. officials would have easily solved the crime and brought the murderer to justice. And almost 100 years later, well, actually it's 108 years later, 108 years, I did poor math earlier. However, the Villisca 
axe murders remain an absolute mystery. And the murder of the murderers, the murder of murders, I'm sorry, are probably long dead. The murder of murderers. Oh, okay, I see what they're saying. Mm-hmm. He's not, I wasn't reading that correctly. They're calling him, the guy who did this, the murderer of murderers. So the, the murderer is probably long dead. Yep. Uh, the gruesome secret buried with them. In hindsight, it's easy to blame the officials at the time for what could be considered a gross mismanagement of what little evidence may have remained there. I just don't know what could possess somebody's brain. Now, folks, we're going to get into the EVPs yeah. right now, but Scotty, I don't know what could possess anyone's mind to to destruct six innocent children. You know what I'm saying? Uh, anybody. I'm sorry. Anybody. Parents, adults, children. Um, just a horrifying, horrifying experience. And when we were there, somebody actually saw my doppelganger, one of the ladies I was with. Oh. She saw my doppelganger, and it was uh, pretty interesting. But it looks like uh, uh-huh. I might have froze up for a second there, but we're just, no, we're okay, brother. So right, what we're going to do here, folks, um, while my screen's just rebooting back on here, is that we are going to cover some of the keys uh, that were picked up. Now, I do want to be fair. All right, I want to make sure that I'm fair. Just let me make sure everything's recording here. There we go. Let me go back to here. And um, let me do this. Boom. Let me go here. I just need to do something here, Scotty. All right. So uh, go ahead and uh, say something here really quick. Okay. I just want to say that it's important that we have to realize that in 1912, fingerprinting was a pretty new venture. That's right. And DNA testing testing was stuff of science fiction didn't even exist not even in the wildest imagination and although a local druggist had the forethought to attempt to enter the crime scene with his camera he was promptly thrown out so they didn't even allow him to take pictures and so it's quite probable that even if the crime scene had been secure the evidence would not have been provided and it wouldn't have provided any real clues there was no central database of fingerprints so even if they'd been recovered, the murderer would have to have been apprehended apprehended for a, a comparison. And granted, Prince may either have uh, convicted or clearly uh, or cleared Kelly in Mansfield. What? Granted, Prince may have either convicted or cleared Kelly in Mansfield. Uh, Frank Jonas, however, Jones, was suspected of only masterminding the plot, mm-hmm. not actually committing the murders himself. So fingerprints would not have exonerated him. So there's stuff, as you mentioned, politics going yep. on, where they thought, there's some people that wanted these guys dead. That's right. This guy did. That's right. But why um, his kids? Right. Well, that's the question. That's the part that's the hardest part for anybody to swallow, let alone just people getting murdered. But, folks, I got the EVPs up here now. Here's the thing. I, I'm going to be playing it through. Um, these, I'm going to tell you right now that these EVPs that I got off of YouTube, and this was from Prism Paranormal. It seems like this is one of the groups that have done a lot of research um, at this location. They've been there multiple times, so I got to give them credit. I got to let, you know, give them a shout out here. So, uh, again, this is from Prism Paranormal. Don't know who they are. I've never worked with them before. Uh, I have no idea what their levels of expertise are, but I do know that the EVPs that they have are fantastic. Um, so we're going to play these EVPs. And uh, then, Scotty, as we progress through them, give you thoughts. And, and All right. hopefully you have headphones on, and hopefully you can hear this good enough. I do. And um, let me see here. 
Uh, there was one other thing I wanted to throw. So we'll play these EVPs, and then we'll come back, and uh, we'll we'll talk through each one. And I'm going to tell you what the EVPs say because this is radio, and I don't have time to sit there and play the guessing game with everybody. Uh, so this is what is speculated um, that is being said here in the EVP. So the first EVP, listen, listen closely, and you're going to hear, get in here. Okay? Listen for get in here. All right, here it goes. Now listen closely. Well, tell me you're supposed to leave here anyway. Get in here. What? Okay, now. I heard that. That was loud, actually. That was really loud. Um, now, so you know, too, that you're going to hear, like, the first, like, the 10-second audio, and then they have it looped a couple times. So you're going to hear it over and over a couple times here. You know what's interesting there, Scotty, is that, that you actually hear two children in this EVP. Yes. You yes. actually hear the lady saying, get in here. So that could possibly have been the mother um, or, you know, whoever. But then you also hear like another child in the background, if you don't yes. mind. Yes. Now, I was wondering, is that one of the investigators? But then I thought she sounds awfully young. Yeah. One of the voice in the background. Let's listen again. Anyway. Get in the air. What? Huh? Get in the air. Get in the air. There's two voices. Get in the air. There is two voices there. That's an She's saying over the top of that. And so that was not the voice because you briefly heard a woman's voice at the beginning responding to the guy. Right. Like like the investigator that's there in the room with him. So, all right. Now this one here is going to uh, this. Listen for this, folks. Now this EVP you're going to be listening for. He's gonna hurt us, Paul. He's gonna hurt us, Paul. Here we go. He's gonna hurt us, Paul. Did you hear it? Was it Paul or Paw? It could be both. Now, here's, here's, it's going to loop here a couple now. All right, here's the loop. It's going to hurt us, Paul. Paul or Paw? Yeah, one more. Slow down. Weird. So I yeah. didn't hear the L on that one. Did you? Paw. Yeah. It almost sounded like paw to me. It did. Gonna um, hurt us, paw. But you know, I, I, I'm going to say that these those are some pretty profound. These are some pretty profound EVPs. Very clear. Very these just, are astounding. Some of them, you, you know, you really got to listen. But it, it, without a doubt, I can say this guy, and I think you could agree with me that it definitely sounds like a human voice. It does. I think we can say that much. Okay, yeah. this one here, you're listening for. Do it again. Lena, do it again, Lena. And here we go. And it's going to play original and then uh, repeat a couple times. Hey, sweetie, can you close the door? Wow. There was something. Do it again, Lena. Yeah, but it sounded like there was something after that, too. But see, this is the thing about EVPs is that you can just go on and you can actually. And unless it's your EVP and you're going through and trying to scour it, 
it's hard to tell what other people picked up. Yeah, but uh, that is definitely sounds like a human voice, and and uh, that was an answer to the that was in response to the question, "Can you open the door?" And the child said, "Do it again, Lena." Right. Um, all right. Now this one here, folks, is uh, the EVP you're listening for is "Who are you? Who are you?" All right. It's going to play the original, and then it's going to play the enhanced a couple times. Who are you? <laughs> Here it is again. Hmm. Uh, I didn't. I didn't hear. Who are you? I just heard. Uh, I heard definitely a young person's voice speaking. Uh, yeah, I couldn't tell if it said "Who are you," but it said. I something. didn't hear that either. I did not hear "Who are you" on that one. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely a voice uh, that is unexplained and. All right, now this one here is, listen for The Breeze, The Breeze. All right, again, it's going to be the regular audio, and then it's going to be looped uh, two or three times here, The Breeze. I can feel the breeze again. It hurts. Would you like to talk to us? Don't hear the breeze. Uh, no, I, I maybe that's maybe that's the title of the EVP because he said the breeze, right? Um, and uh, there's again a young person's voice is responding. You know, it's just weird. Oh, they reversed it on that one. The reverse one's kind. Of- It sounds like the movie from The Exorcist. It sure does. <laughs> That's kind of creepy, bro. I don't want to put my damn hands on the TV. Um, yeah, really. You know, and that's the thing, too, that a lot of people, and I've done it before, too, Scotty, where I reversed audio. Um, mm-hmm. When I first started doing it, I was a little uncomfortable because I didn't feel it was authentic. But then again, I'm, right. I'm also trying to understand a world that we can't prove exists. So what right. is normal on the other realm? What is, you know, is, is forward and reverse the thing? and I don't know, uh, but I have reversed audio before and gotten full sentences with reversed audio. Don't know if yeah. it's legitimate or if reversing the audio just made the sounds perfect enough to make it sound like it was a sentence, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, this one here is Paul. So listen for Paul. Again, right. this here is going to be the original and then uh, cleaned up version. Listen for Paul. Probably because there's no light. Oh. Oh, yeah. Is my crystal in there, Paul? Wow. Kind of sounds sad. It does. Yeah. I'm, uh, was Paul one of the children? Paul. Um, I'm looking here for the names again of all the kids. Was it the dad? Uh, Paul was Josiah, wasn't it? Who's Josiah? Josiah Moore uh, and Sarah Moore. And then there was Lena and Ina. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking for the, I don't see the names of the kids right here off the bat. I'd have to scour for it here through all these paragraphs. Yeah, we'll find it, but yeah. But yeah. All right. Henry was one of the kids. Um, yeah, there were weird names. I didn't think there was a Paul in the group. I don't either, so I don't know what Paul means. All right. Uh, maybe it wasn't Paul, but it sounded like Paul. Um, but there again, folks, like I said, EVPs is one thing where you may hear something differently than me. 
Um, yep. Some of them are super prominent where everybody's just like, oh, hell yeah, we just heard that. Uh, but the one thing that we can say is that these are voices that did not come from the investigators. Whether it's saying a, a clear word or whether it sounds like something, we just know it's not normal. All right, so now listen for the giggle. This here says the giggle. Again, raw audio first and then enhanced. Here we go. Creepy. You hear the what at the beginning? Weird, bro. I got chills right now. That sounds like three things going on there. It I heard does. what sounded like a child going, Whoa! and then uh, another one sounded like a growl or a bah, kind of over that, and then the giggle. Play that oh, again. Scotty, dude, we're just about out of time here, folks. Ladies oh, and gentlemen, do not go anywhere. I promise you uh, we will continue this. More EVPs, more everything right here all week. The creepy stuff, the EVPs, the ghosts, the goblins, UFOs. Halloween Spectacular right here. Situation Room. Rule number one. Don't take shit from anybody. Love you guys. Live long and prosper, folks. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.